Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome back to Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi! It's 2022, and we're doing things a little differently here at Queer Talk. Throughout season three, Spencer and I will be recording specific good news episodes where we'll be joined by a different guest each time to discuss some recent positive LGBTQ news articles. Today we've invited our friend, avid listener and supporter of the podcast, Joshua Wells, to join us and to christen season three. Welcome, hun. It's so good to finally have you here with us on Queer Talk. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a long time coming. Very excited to be here. <laughs> You're like, I've been waiting 30 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Mega fan has arrived. <laughs> we do appreciate all your support and coming to the live shows as well. Yeah, thank you. I would definitely recommend everyone attend the live shows if you get an opportunity. They were amazing. You had some amazing guests as well, and I really loved it. Thanks, babe. You're welcome. Well, for those of you who do not know, Josh is a pharmacist and the clinical lead at Lavender Health, an LGBTQ plus sexual health company aiming to reduce inequalities and increase access to sexual health care services. But more importantly... Josh is one of our longest and most hardcore fans, having listened to every single episode and, like we just said, attended loads of our live shows. Um, how are you feeling today, Josh? Yeah, a little bit rough around the ages, I have to be honest. Um, I uh, was catching up with some friends last night. Uh, got a little bit, got a little bit wild, but um, I'm here. I've got my cup of tea. I'm powering it on. So yeah, it's all good. Post Christmas, let's all. Socialise again because we've been with our families for so long. Basically, yeah. I was holed up. Um, actually, I had a really nice Christmas. So I was at my um, boyfriend's parents' place in Oxfordshire in the middle of the countryside, um, but very isolated. So now I just thought, make the most of it before New Year's, catch up with some friends I haven't seen in ages. And um, yeah, we had a good night. Maybe just too good a night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you're still able to uh, record with us today. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it. like Spencer said, you've listened to every single episode. So actually... I have. We're just going to quiz you right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> the stress is real. Imagine. No, there's no quiz, especially if you're hungover. We'll just Thank we'll you. just trust and believe. <laughs> I mean, I remember you messaging, messaging us after every single one, like, oh, my God, today was so good. Oh, my God, today was so good. So I'm just going to trust that you weren't lying to us for the last <laughs> year and a half. I mean, it's a fairly elaborate plan that I've, like, concocted. <laughs> I've into Lavender, I've been to every single show. I'm just pretending I've not actually listened to any episodes. <laughs> the reason I know you've listened is because when you came to the live shows, you were like, oh my God, that person was on the podcast. Oh my God, it's Sheena. And you were so excited to meet I'm Sheena. Obsessed. Yeah, I'm literally obsessed. And it was it was like a celebrity meet and greet for me coming to your show, <laughs> getting to see all the guests. They didn't know me though. That was the kind of scary thing. I just stood there like a stalker. That's the, the fun of it all. Yeah, but you, you gave me a lovely, lovely Christmas card, which also started some drama. I apologize. Oh my God, yeah. I'm dead. You posted really about did. it and people were like, where is mine? 
yeah, I look forward to my Christmas card next year, but I promise not to paste about it. <laughs> <laughs> the drama was all directed at Mufsin. It's totally fine. These are like Mufsin's yeah. contacts that are like, oh, where's mine? Thankfully, I put all of my besties on the list, regardless of their support. So I got away with it, but um, Mufsin's in trouble. So today we're all going to discuss our positive news story that we have brought. I'm going to kick it off with a story that is about a sex shop for people surviving with cancer that is proudly super queer. So to break that down, there is an article that I found on Pink News that discusses this sex shop about people sparking conversations that are normally quite scary to have. I think having sex whilst having cancer is probably quite taboo. It's definitely not something I've read or heard about before. And after reading the article, there's actually a lot of fear and anxiety around those kind of things. So around particular practices, if things hurt more or less, if certain things can take place whilst you're undergoing certain treatment. And people with cancer themselves are are confused and curious and and have all these questions. So co-founder Brian LaBelle, who created the project with June Lin Go, kind of created this platform that is a combination of like media and artwork as well as a sex shop that sells all of these toys and different, different devices and is opening up conversation as well as giving them the solution, giving them the physical thing that gives them pleasure. Really, really exciting overall and something that it's quite inspiring as well to to tackle a problem head on and to and to bring bring people together you know building that community giving them these toys and also breaking down taboos is uh, as positive as our new story is going to get i think so i'm just super super impressed by this whole thing reading through it they they specifically wanted to target marginalized communities they said you know having cancer is shit but having cancer and being queer or and being black and being disabled, etc., has those extra barriers that you have to overcome. And they really wanted to make sure that these toys and everything were gender neutral and didn't require a man and a woman to use them or, a, you know, particular sexual organs to use them. They wanted to make sure that everyone was welcome, but also to make sure that this was about more than just coming at the end of the process. It was about, you know, building that relationship with yourself and, and regaining intimacy. Yeah, that's it's really true like you don't really hear about sex or even pleasure for people with cancer and I guess it's actually quite an important thing for someone who's undergoing treatment to have a good quality of life it's not just about treatment it's quite a difficult thing to go through but often like what gets you through that is actually just you know pleasure love but like it is important to kind of focus on on stuff like that and to have these conversations because I imagine if you're going through treatment you you may not even know if you're allowed to have certain types of sex and sex often seems like you're just talking about fertility all the time in in the kind of medical context there's a lot more to that and it's great to see that people are putting a focus on this and also providing resources yeah definitely I think also it's great to redefine cancer you know unfortunately we have this tendency to think of people living with cancer as these ill, disabled, in a sense, um, individuals who are limited in their functionality in terms of their health by cancer or their diagnosis. And by starting these conversations, allowing people to have open discussions about sex and pleasure, like you said, Martine, it's actually beyond just... Well, I think it just goes beyond, like you said, just wanting to come at the end of it. It's, sex is more than just penetrative sex as well. It's having the opportunity to communicate with yourself, communicate with others, think about your identity, you know, that might even change during uh, cancer treatment. So, yeah, it's super exciting. Whereabouts is this base, Spencer? 
Uh, I think it's based in London, but because they have the online shopper, it's pretty available to everyone, which is which is um, always always a good thing. I think, like like you said, they said like it's really difficult to have these conversations because normally um, around people with cancer, you're like you see inspiring like walks up mountains or like yeah. a, a kid achieving their wish of like going to Disneyland or something. You don't see like oh this person <laughs> gained sexual pleasure and freedom because it's harder to stick on a poster. And but actually, that's the kind of small private things that people can reach and and achieve that can give them that instant satisfaction instead of just something huge that everyone has to work towards and raise money for and stuff um it's about day-to-day pleasure rather than just yeah a one-off experience if you if you're living with cancer you may not have confidence around it around intimacy so to have people you can go to talk to about that to kind of build up that confidence is, is great the article ended with the founders kind of explaining why they felt it needed to be queer owned and queer people that made the project and they said as queer people our pleasure is part of who we are as well as our shame being part of who we are as well as our bodies what we love what we hate and I think that really resonated with me because it's true I think we carry a lot of shame as queer people purely because we have to come out and and find ourselves and discover ourselves etc time and time again and I think um, not to compare experiences but I think they're absolutely right in saying this like all of that factoring into this experience and this and this kind of platform is is magical so i'm glad that it's a queer owned business that are making a difference this is a gay times article which was highlighting that tokyo is going to recognize same-sex partnerships in a huge step forward for equality uh, the city's governor yuriko koki explained that tokyo would implement a system that would recognize gay partnerships as equal to marriage after the tokyo metropolitan assembly unanimously agreed that it was time for recognition and i guess there's been pressure on the japanese government the national government to introduce Um, same-sex recognition as it's the only G7 nation that doesn't have uh, any form of legal recognition for same-sex marriage which is quite surprising when you think about it Uh, one of the leading countries in the world not recognizing same-sex marriage but even despite that a hundred local authorities in the country do actually recognize certain rights for gay couples and like for example joint names on rental contracts was the example given in the article and when I read that I thought that's wild like the national government doesn't recognize same-sex marriage but a hundred local authorities and now Tokyo as well recognizes some form of same-sex arrangement and I don't know much about Japanese like day-to-day culture but I imagine from what I've seen and read that some of that just comes down to kind of the fact that they may not want to undermine traditional Japanese family values in the family system. So the reforms will come into place in April 2022 but it's still unclear whether it will be legal recognition or, or not Uh, And there's a lobbying group called Marriage for All Japan, which is kind of highlighting that, yes, it's a step forward, but we really need national legal recognition of of same-sex marriage. Yeah, I think it's about time. And I think I'm I'm really curious to know how the other kind of legislations are and where they're up to, because obviously I think here, being in the UK, same-sex marriage now is such an annoyance in that people think that that's all we wanted to achieve. They're like, oh, you've got same-sex marriage. Like, why are you still whinging? Why are you still protesting? And so... Um, whilst this is a huge win in Tokyo, I'm I'm curious to see like how the other legislations are and how behind they might be. Mm. But really, really amazing to see that you know the hundred local authorities kind of 
got on with it regardless and kind of put that pressure because I don't know I don't know if it would work the same way here it's particularly around trans rights I don't think the setup is or is the same in the UK like I don't think the councils in the UK could do the same thing it's it's an impressive kind of force of power if the capital city is going to be recognizing same-sex marriage probably like legal recognition in, in the whole country is not too far away yeah i mean you taped so i was just having a quick look actually so from my understanding it looks like they don't currently have an lgbtq plus specific equality act in place unfortunately in japan um it's something that was being debated and trying to be pushed for this year um but you know i totally recognize your point spencer about marriage almost feeling like the one thing that we've got and you know don't need to move forward anymore but hopefully you know we'll see this as an opportunity for improving legislation and equality in Japan now and hopefully Tokyo can be that focal point and it will spread out to other local authorities um, but yeah from my understanding also they're quite a conservative culture so it may not be as quick as you might expect or we might hope. Talking about it being a conservative culture in the same article a survey by the public broadcaster NHK showed that 57% of people in Japan proved gay marriage being legalised okay. so that's good at least the majority are kind of on board and I don't know if you remember Queer Eye Japan where they had Can. Yes, yeah. And he was saying that when he's in Canada, he feels way more himself. I remember, I just remember that episode because it's it kind of shows you the distinction between like living in the Western world and living in Japan. Spencer's like never watched Queer Eye. Yeah, I literally <laughs> haven't. You know, I hate following the crowds, and also. I watched one episode and I was like, what is this? Why are these five people helping people? I mean, obviously it's good to help people, but I, d- I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get it. I'll send you a list of the good episodes to watch. So you don't yeah, watch more, like, it's come back. The next new yeah. season's back. Some of them are much more heartwarming than others, I find. But um, okay. yeah, I would definitely recommend watching. It's really good. Because I felt this way about Drag Race. Like, I, I started on season six of Drag Race and then I was like, oh, this is actually good. This was years ago. But I was still years behind everyone else. Like, I think season 10 or 11 was out when I started watching season 6 for the first time. So it was just, yeah, I think I just need, like, people to do the work for me and tell me what's good and what's not. Maybe we should do that with Queer Talk. Although I, I'd like to think that all of the episodes are good. <laughs> <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Joshua Wells, the, f- the floor is yours. Thanks so much. So there's not a specific article Um, I'll be talking about per se um, because I'm sure people have seen it plastered everywhere hopefully Um, but one thing that we could potentially link is to the fda.gov website and this is their most recent news release which was on December 20th 2021 and that was with the fantastic news that the first injectable treatment for HIV uh, PrEP or pre-exposure prevention has been approved and this is super super exciting um, just because it's potentially going to change the way that we provide PrEP essentially for for people a couple of things to know so we currently have prep which is a combination of two medicines and a pill and the new medicine is called apritude 
or cabotegravir, which is an antiretroviral medicine, and it's going to be what we call an extended released injectable suspension. So these types of injections we can give into um, muscles, so usually into the gluteus, so your backside or your leg, and these are long-lasting injections which basically prevent you having to come in and, and take medicines all the time. And with the new PrEP, as we call it, Apritude, this will be lasting for two months. So that's completely going to change the way that people access PrEP and, and are covered in terms of HIV prevention. Um, because currently people who take PrEP, obviously there's a few different ways to take PrEP, um, but you can take it daily or you can take it as event-based, so around particular times that you're going to be having um, sex. Um, whereas for this, obviously, once you've had your injection, you're covered. Really great news to see that there's going to be this change in approval obviously the fda is for the us so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's approved here yet but generally stuff follows suit fairly quickly and yeah i thought that's that super super exciting um, and what was really nice to see is that actually the two clinical trials that they did um, one was with transgender and cisgender men have sex with men and the other one was with cisgendered females or women so we've actually got quite a diverse group to look at from the clinical trial data which generally doesn't happen for a lot of research and that's been sort of a historical issue so it's also kind of encouraging to see that we're having more diversity even within our sort of clinical trials and that we've got a wider breadth of people being involved from the community to actually test these medicines you know the sorts of people that will probably be accessing prep services so yeah super super exciting but yeah we'll have to wait and see that's very exciting as a prep user and you're, you're absolutely right like when they do trials and they need to do it on like a very diverse group of people because there's sometimes no point of just trialing say for example white men because you don't know mm. if that drug is effective on brown men or women exactly as we have a science person here i just want to know how do you take a drug like an injection and it still be effective for two months like, does it not just like slowly um, disappear and it's how effective it is over the two months? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. So this is why these are the specifically formulated medicines that we, we inject as, as long lasting. Essentially, they come in sort of a fatty suspension and then they get released very slowly into the bloodstream and into the body. So that's why we inject it into, it's not intravenous, it's intramuscular. So it kind of sits within that component in the body and then will slowly just be released and you get a nice steady state is what we like to call it. So a steady state of the drug just means that it sort of stays at a constant level. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, over that two month period, that's when it will release. So smart. So smart. So, so smart. smart. But um, essentially the first injection you'll have to have uh, you have to have two injections within the first two months yeah. uh, and then after that it's every two months so yeah it could completely change I think the way that people uh, actually people who don't actually access PrEP now mm. I think may be more encouraged to have an injection because one of the issues with PrEP or antiretroviral medicine specifically is um, resistance and adherence so if you are HIV positive or living with HIV and you know don't take your medicines regularly or have long gaps unfortunately you can develop resistance which means the drugs become ineffective mm. um, and with PrEP obviously if you don't take it according to how it, we suggest it should be taken that can lead to um, lack of protection whereas with this obviously having something long-lasting just avoids those issues with adherence or missing doses um, which could be quite critical especially with the government's plan you know to, to end new HIV diagnosis by 2030 in the UK yeah. um, this could be a, a huge step forward in, in supporting the way that we deliver HIV and PrEP care basically. That's fantastic. You know some people will be somewhat put off but I think maybe actually now with the big vaccination efforts with COVID people have become more familiar with injections so hopefully that would have helped you overcome some sort of hesitancy around injections yeah. obviously not everyone can use this medicine um, 
and we'll get more information about sort of what we call the, the product characteristics and what the marketing authorization will be for people in terms of who can use it, how they can use it. You've done your research, Joshua. I'm impressed. Well, you have to come prepared, don't you? I don't want to get in trouble. I can't relate. I did not come prepared, but I'm good for you. With the rollout of this, do you think it will help reduce transmissions of HIV quicker? than 2030? I mean, that's a very difficult question to answer. I guess one component of it, me, is that, you know, when would the UK get the marketing authorization to use a medicine? So it's very hard to say how quickly we'll be able to start using the medicine here. I would hope that it does, because ultimately, if you've got a long lasting medicine, which avoids the need for regular follow ups, it's generally going to be more tolerable or acceptable to groups of patients which hopefully means that we have a wider base of of people using this type of prep as well as people who also will continue to use oral prep as prep is mostly free across the uk do you think that this injection will also be free or do you think there'll be potential differences so particularly when medicines are first released they are sort of branded um, under whatever their authorization is and they can be quite expensive and then once that sort of that period finishes it can vary but you start to develop generic medicines which are a lot cheaper um, so currently prep that we use in the uk is a generic version um, so you might have heard of truvada but we just use generic prep which is much cheaper and that's probably why the nhs is providing it for free i would i would hope that it would be free because generally it would be something that would be provided by sort of nhs england so they would they would absorb the cost and provide that but you know there's one thing if the medicine is effective but you have to consider is it cost effective so when they do come to releasing prep and then looking at the injections if it's not deemed to be as cost effective as oral prep it could affect the way that service is delivered so we'll need some more data essentially which is obviously the answer to anything science more data <laughs> but it'll be really interesting to see over the sort of next months and years how well the medicine is accepted and what that looks like in terms of sort of hiv prevention and what the costs come out like always good to have more options for treatment and prevention than less and we're trying to get to zero by 2023 did you say 2030 2030 sorry yeah so 2030 is the aim so end hiv by 2030 that was the big sort of push from the government and terence higgins trust yeah hopefully we can do it i'm feeling optimistic and i feel like particularly throughout the pandemic it's been quite nice a light has been shone again on HIV, I feel personally, yeah. you know, with programs like It's a Sin, there's been so much advocacy. Obviously, it's I'm a bit biased because it's kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. And you, you get absorbed in that, particularly on Twitter and the people that you follow. But, you know, even having conversations with my parents about HIV or, or having conversations with people about HIV medicine and PrEP and what PrEP is. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's become much more frequent in the last couple of years. So hopefully this is just a, a new growing trend of improving education and awareness. Great news. So thank you for being here. It is great news. <laughs> yeah, let's remain optimistic. <laughs> I'm super Watch optimistic. The data. I'm very excited. It's all, it's all very exciting. But yeah, I would definitely recommend people check it out, have a look, start having conversations. Yeah, and hopefully you'll see some more news in the next couple of months. And then we can have you back. Woo! <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Every episode, welcome back, Joshua Wells. And today we're joined by Joshua Wells. <laughs> I think Next people get episode. sick of me there really quick. Every time we have a science question, we'll just ask you to send us an audio clip. That's of fine. The facts. More than happy to do that. More than happy to do that. So I think that that is all for today. That went really quickly. So that's a great roundup of news articles. Spencer, you brought us... I brought us a queer positive sex shop for people with cancer. And I brought us the fact that Tokyo is recognising same-sex partnerships 
And our guest, a lovely, lovely guest, Josh, has brought us a lovely new story about... Uh, the FDA approving the first injectable treatment for HIV pre-exposure prevention or PrEP. Lots of big words. Um, but all good <laughs> stories and good news. Very good. And where can we find you online if anyone wants to stalk you? I mean, you can find me on Insta. Nothing much is happening there, I'm afraid, Hans. Um, JSWells underscore. But actually, probably the place to follow me would be my Twitter. It's where I talk about queer stuff. Also, um, some of the work we do at Lavender, which is super, super exciting. And you can find me on at jwells underscore, underscore, underscore. Underscore, underscore was taken, so I had to go for three underscores. <laughs> and do not forget to let us know that you have listened to our show on socials. We are on Instagram at queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. bye.